Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Let's do this thing, bro. Uh, Jason, nice to meet you. I'm glad you are on the podcast. Appreciate you coming on. Um, like I told you earlier, I don't really like doing introductions and it's just not my thing. They just don't really feel authentic to me. If, you know, we were sitting here drinking a beer or something and <laughs> somebody came up, I wouldn't give a whole spiel to somebody of your background. So why don't you just go ahead and do it yourself? So at least some of the viewers will at least know a little bit about you or give you a little snapshot for them. Sure. Uh, everybody out there, my name's Cam. I, uh, I guess I have two different different roles that I, I really do here. The first one is that I, I'm the host of the Talking in the Driveway podcast. And it's just uh, myself and four of my friends that we get on the pod and we talk we talk about sports, movies, pop culture, and just have a good time. And it's Talking in the Driveway because for years, we when we get together, we just hang out in the driveway. And so every once in a while, I text going, hey, I need a driveway tonight. And so you you know, grab whatever's cold in the fridge and, and take it over and, and sit out there. And we thought that's how we kind of turn it in and just what we do. We hang it, we hung out in the pod and, and talk just like we're in the driveway. So that's how it's always been. Just let's go to the, hang out in the driveway. Just, you don't never want to go inside. <laughs> well, no, because usually, uh, you know, the significant other, the kids were in there and they would they'd cramp our style a little bit. Well, okay. Uh, it, I don't, you know, it's funny. We've talked about this, how it even started and, we had a, a buddy of ours had gone to one. He's on actually on the pod. He comes on as a guest once in a while. He'd gone to Florida with his uh, wife and daughter. Okay. And it was through, uh, it was through make a wish their daughter. Uh, she's recovering from cancer. And so they had gone and we knew they were coming back on Thursday at a certain time. They had like a limo from the airport and everything. So we were in the driveway with our chairs and some drinks and, what it was something to eat or whatever as they came in and like he basically went in with the suitcases came back out with us and that's kind of how it all started like you know the, we're we're having a driveway <laughs> and uh it, it turns into something so i put a uh i put a poll in about five years ago i guess nice and uh so when the polls open we have they're welcome anytime but we really do a poll friday because most of most well everybody is an educator um you know i'm i'm an administrator so i work 12 months a year uh Captain Caveman on the pod is an administrator too. So he works 12 months, but so we usually work four tens in the summer. Okay. And so pull Fridays, whoever, whoever shows up is here. We, we grill, we, we drink, we have a good time. Uh, before we had a pool, it used to be beach Fridays. And we just had one beach that we would always just show up on, show up at. And sometimes there'd be two of us there. And sometimes there'd be 12, 14 of us there. So it was, uh, you know, always, always a good time on that end. Nice. So you said you're an administrator. I mean, how long have you been doing? You said what, 15, 20 years? How long? Have you been uh, I am in. Let's see what this is. I am in year 22 nice. of of education here in the in the great state of Delaware. Uh, I spent my first five in a classroom teaching eighth grade ELA, and I spent two years as a dean of students, and then was a assistant principal, a principal, went to the district office as an assistant superintendent for a while. Okay. And then headed, uh, went back to the school and went to a different district, went back into the school as a print as a principal at the middle school and high school. And then right before COVID hit, I became the director of human resources for the, the school district I'm in now. So you've been wearing a lot of hats. Yeah. Uh, kind of go where I'm needed or, or where, where I'm being well, what, called to uh, go. 
what got you started on that track? I mean, was this something you grew up wanting to be a teacher or hit college and said, yeah. hey, I want to be a teacher? I mean, I, had a, I have a teaching background myself is the reason I'm asking, but I didn't go that route. So, uh, so loved, loved playing sports in high school. Nice. Uh, but realized somewhere along the line, I don't know, my junior, senior year, that it wasn't going to play. I wasn't going to be able to play at the next level. Um, so I thought, well, what's the best way I continue to be involved in sports? I was the coach. What's the easiest way to coach is to teach. So I thought I'd be a teacher. Now, I taught for a lot more reasons than that once I got into it. Uh, but that was really the, the starting point of it. I had, I actually started coaching uh, high school girls basketball when I was a sophomore in high school because I had two of my sisters yeah. were playing then. And I went back to my high school, was coaching, that was then, this how old I am, junior high, and was a volunteer with the varsity and eventually was the uh, varsity assistant coach for a couple of years. And uh, back then, Western PA at the time, if you wanted a job, somebody had to die and will it to you. Uh, just very competitive. Uh, so, um, also people stay in those positions forever, basically too. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's yes. what I've always, my experience was. Yeah. So I moved to, moved to Delaware in 01 and, uh, started the teaching thing and was actually was the athletic director at my middle school for the seven years I was at that school, coach football, coach baseball. And when I decided to go into admin, that was the end of the coaching career because it just, some admins, do it in some places. I don't know how they do it <laughs> and have a family and, yeah. and everything. Cause it's just so time consuming. If you want to put in the time that you want to be a successful program, there's just not time as, as an admin to do it. So I always thought that, all right, well, I'll get back into coaching with my own kids, whether it's little league or stuff like that. And so, you know, eventually, eventually we'll get there probably with some things. Well, that's gonna be my next question, man. It's just that if you were an athletic director plus coaching at the same time and plus teaching, I mean, you had to have long ass days. Yeah. Right? Yep. They, they were long. <laughs> yeah. Just selling your soul to the, I mean, what did the day in the life look like it then? I mean, so let, let's add a couple things to it. So I was either in the classroom or the Dean of students. So at that time I was, I was athletic director. I was coaching at that time I was coaching middle at the middle school football. Cause I had spent some time at the high school, but it became a lot easier. They would a coaching change. They were just easier for me to be at the middle school. My, my friends were, were coaching there too. Uh, was coaching baseball. Let's add on to that, that I was going for my masters. And then I'll add on to that, that I was, um, also DJing at the time. Nice. And so it was, it was busy at some point. It just got to, and this was with my, my, my first wife. And I guess there's a reason she's my, my ex-wife, <laughs> m- <laughs> many reasons, but one of them was just, it was just so much. And, uh, so like the DJ went away, it was, you know, it was good extra money, but it was just something that could go. And then I was doing all, you know, still doing all the things and just you know, busy. So I didn't have any extra time built in my day to be athletic director. So either on my planning or before or after school, depending on what's going on is when I did that kind of stuff. Uh, and, and I enjoyed it. It's different. Uh, it's funny in my current role that I have as director of human resources, I actually oversee the athletic director. And we just, we had uh, a guy was there for a while and he retired. And so a new guy started in January and he's taken over a lot of things. It's going to make stuff a little bit easier on me that I was helping out with the other side of it, but didn't realize how much, how long I guess I've been involved in athletics. Like he's asked me some questions and he's been a football coach for almost 30 years. Yeah. Uh, but just the stuff that I just, this kind of second nature that I just kind of always know in the, on the athletic director side, but it's, it's different because, you know, as a coach wins and losses, you, you kind of judged on and things. And when you're athletic director, Hey, the official showed up, the other team showed up, no one got thrown out of the game. Hey, the, you know, the buses got there on time. It's a lot of internal satisfaction that you're doing something so that the kids can have the opportunities they have. And so um, it was great. It was great experience to help me become an administrator I, I think I owe a lot just to the organization of that. And you're dealing with, I mean, as a teacher, you're dealing with parents, but you're dealing with parents on a whole different level when it comes to, to athletics. And also then you're dealing with teachers who have issues with, you know, a coach said that, you know, whatever happened. So it really, you know, I was, you know, I learned, I, I got thrown in the deep end real quick, but in, in the scheme of things, it really helped me build what I do administratively now and what I've, what I've done as a principal and, and as I moved up, you know, a couple of thoughts on that while you were talking that I was thinking of that for myself is that when I was uh, graduating with my bachelor's that we had to develop a teaching philosophy. And then when I was trying to get my master's, I was trying to do a strength conditioning internship 
uh, a couple of different universities and one of them, like in my, one of my graduate interviews, they asked me, well, what is your philosophy on strength conditioning? And, you know, I, I did all this like teaching background, but I never really developed a strength conditioning or a coaching philosophy. So I felt, you know, I, I don't even remember what I said now, but I remember leaving that interview just saying, damn, man, what, that was the stupidest thing you could have, <laughs> like, why did you do that? I mean, how, how did you develop your, did you have a coaching philosophy you would uh, abide to or teaching philosophy or, I mean, anything you want yeah. to share on those regards? So it's, it, you know, it's, it's developed over time, but I, I really, it, it's because someone believed in me. And so it's my turn. Uh, Usually how it goes. It seems yeah. Like. We serve. So my school district, about 75% of the students are considered in poverty. Everybody in the whole district has free breakfast, free lunch. So we don't even have the free and reduced uh, because of the median income level. It's a, it's a federal program. Uh, so I, I was one of those kids growing up to a point. Um, you know, we always always had a roof over our head, always had food. Sure. But I can remember uh, wondering if the lights were going to come on when you hit the switch every once in a while. I can remember rolling change and going down to the corner store to get a half gallon of milk on a Tuesday till the unemployment check came on Friday. Hmm. And so, you know, we serve my districts for rough numbers, about 30% white, 30% Hispanic, 30% African-American and 10% Haitian Creole. So we're a little, little melting pot here in Western Sussex County, Delaware. Uh, but obviously I don't look like the majority of my students. Um, so sometimes that there, there'd be a little bit of a clash, you know, with, with some culture things. And I never got really too personal with them and stuff until, you know, I, I'd have to, I'd say, what do you mean? I don't understand. Mm-hmm. I said, I, I look, I said, I didn't wake up in this suit and tie. I had to work to get this because education was my way out. Let right. me tell you how I grew up. And then you start, you know, building that connection. But, you know, because someone believed in me, I, I want to give back. And that's, you know, what, it, what it kind of has, has grown into over time. Um, and I just felt that for, you know, in the athletic side, I thought athletics taught me so much, um, as growing up in high school, I, I football, wrestle, baseball, and, you know, especially wrestling made you so disciplined Mm -hmm. on, on things. And I think I owe so much to, to that. And so as I was coaching, I was, you know, I was, I was hard on my athletes, but just to try to teach them that this is what, you know, what was expected of you. And if, you know, you do these things and you keep practicing, doing the right way, eventually, you know, you get that muscle memory and it's going to be easier and we go. And that was just always kind of the philosophy. So it was the same thing in the classroom, same thing in the school, you know, what, what can I do to give my students the best opportunity? Because I truly believe that it was my responsibility, whether I was an elementary principal, a middle school principal or high school principal, that my ultimate goal is for them to walk across that stage. And, and get a very important piece of paper so that they had doors open to them. They had opportunity open to them to be successful. And not everybody is meant to go to college right out of high school, uh, whether they're going to the workforce, whether they're going to the military, whatever you happen to be doing, we need to prepare you to be able to be successful, whatever opportunity is out there for you. You know, do you think that, with society and cultural norms. I mean, you know, you said that, you know, you had to work to get in that suit and tie. I mean, do you think like, talking about your students right there? I mean, do you think that it's just expected that you're just either born in the suit and tie and they don't realize that, Hey, like you just said, you have to actually work and grind and, you know, get what you put into something to get what you want to get out of it to succeed in life. Or do they just expect that, okay, you're born with a silver spoon. You'll just be there just cause you're there. I think well, I hope that kind of made sense. Yeah, no, no, it does. I, I think there's a couple different layers there. Uh, first off, I think, unfortunately, too many of our student, our young people now feel entitled for, for whatever reason. Um, and they feel that, that they're owed something f- for just, just because, and I don't know. I don't know if it's the, it's the, the TikTok, <laughs> the instant gratification. You don't, have, you don't have to work. You know, like, Hey, you gotta tell me in 45 seconds or you lost me um, mm-hmm. type thing. Uh, I think part of the, part of the divide is in part of what we, we face. And so I'm it, one of the biggest responsibilities I have as a director of human resources is recruiting teachers. Right. And I'm constantly trying to find teachers that look much more like my students, but so is everybody else. And it's, it's just not easy to get some minorities. And then you add the fact here that, so in Western Sussex County, Delaware, we are, 
we're we're chicken farms. We're we're rural. I know how it goes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Not a lot of Gosh. not a lot of urban yep. settings, and so it's even harder to get a lot of minorities who who want that urban feel. So unless a lot of folks are local, it, it's hard to do. But I, I think a lot of my my students, especially my my students, my male African American students, relate so much better to African American males, and so. Um, I sometimes think that, you know, they felt, oh, well, you know, he, he had it easier or, you know, it, you know, that, like you said, the silver spoon must've been there, you know, mommy, daddy go home to college. Yep. And, you know, some of those conversations I had had once while I was, Hey, mommy, daddy didn't give me a dime. You know, this was, this was student loans. This was yeah. what, what you have to do and, and where it gets to. And, you know, as, and I was only principal of the high school for a year and a half. So I didn't have a, a ton of time there with, with, with that. But in the short time, I felt like we were starting to get through that divide and we understood each other a little bit more. And one of the things, and, and you have the teacher background, I'm sure it works with some of the other stuff that you've done. If you can get somebody to buy into what you're selling, it makes life a whole lot easier. And when they see that there's some result from it, it yeah. makes it a whole lot easier too. So trying to have some of that success, um, you know, kind of went a long way with that. You know, have you read the book, uh, Coddling of the American Mind? I think it's by Jonathan Mayer. No, Jonathan something. No, I have not heard of that one. So it's basically he's talking about kind of what we're just saying is that, you know, with social media and helicopter parents and uh, basically one of the things, and it was talking about how there was a study done. I forgot what year it was done in, but uh, it was talking about allergic to pe- or being allergic to peanuts and that. You know, given actually students being able to, yeah, go eat what you want, go, go play, go outside, you know, uh, be exposed to these, these elements. And then some, you know, parents were saying, no, do not, we're not giving on our kids peanuts. We're not going to give anyone there. And they develop more of the reaction than uh, students who are actually exposed to it earlier or not mm-hmm. students, but children. So, I mean, it just seems like, you know, maybe hel- like you were just saying with helicopter parents and even athletics, you know, that it just kind of plays in these, the, um, environment the kids are growing up at thinking they oh we're entitled to this or that oh yeah i don't you know like i'm i don't have to go to that because i might be victimized or you know i mean i hope that tries i'm trying to make sense of that and that's what the whole book is saying okay basically but it was just talking about how how we're almost just we're not allowing the students to or kids just to go out and be students we're just trying to protect them over or protect them too much now Yeah. yeah and you know some people will argue that you know, and I don't agree that bullying is great and by any means, but some forms of bullying, like it makes a person who they are and they should be exposed to some of that to actually teach them to be in those situations as opposed to, you know, go run to mom and dad or whoever all the time. You know? Yeah, you know, a lot of and I'm not putting down homeschool by any stretch of the means, but in my experiences, anytime we've gotten a homeschool student come into the the public school setting that, that we're in, it's complete culture shock. Yeah, because they haven't had all those interactions and and, you know, grew up with with adversity, you know, you haven't grown up with somebody taking a toy from yours on the playground or doing this to you in, in the classroom. Like you said, not necessarily bullying, but growing up and, you know, what, what makes sovereign. So they it's just like, oh, how does how does this work? And, you know, we've we, we've, you know, dealt with some of those over, over time, but it reminds me. um. I don't know if you remember, um, was it Todd Marinovich, the quarterback from USC, whose whose dad was was a tra- was a coach and trainer, and basically they made he was called the Robo QB, okay. like he was doing stretches, like exercises at two months, and everything was geared to him being this this quarterback, like no junk food, none of this stuff, and so he goes out to USC, start you know takes the team over as a freshman, has a great year, and you know, I think leaves early ends up going, I think he went to the Raiders first or whatever, but was got heavy into drugs and everything. And just like we got to college, it just a whole world opened up to him. They didn't know existed and he just couldn't handle it. Unfortunately, he passed away very young, you know, out, outside league. I think he's a 30 for 30 on, I don't know if it's a 30 for 30, but one of those type things, it's, sure. it's really good and talks about all that he went through. And it's just, it's, I don't know. So, I mean, the hardest job I've ever had in the world is being a father. And because there's no manual, <laughs> there's no guide. It's just, you, you learn as you go. And uh, my, my wife and I talk a lot about at what point are we providing versus spoiling versus enabling. Yeah. And 
I, I, I wish I knew the answer. <laughs> it's just, it, it's, um, I think everybody's ultimate goal is to provide more, have a provide better than what you provided for. Yep, that's what I And, want. you know, just like when my kids will say, Oh, I'm so bored. I'm like, Oh, you're bored with the PlayStation five and the <laughs> 60 inch TV in your room yep. and the iPad set, sit beside you, you know, that you're not bored. No. Yeah, uh, somebody use their Tom Wisely sounds like you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's you know, I you know, I'm not a father. I don't have any kids. I'm just a single dad of two dogs, I guess, if you want. To <laughs> but uh, you know, I mean, I've heard that argument where kids are like, "I'm bored" or whatever. It's like, how are you bored? I mean, you know, even though like, yeah, okay, you don't, you can't find anything to watch, or you're bored with your video game or whatever. There's still other things to be looking forward to do. I mean, you know, one thing that was never really ingrained on me. And I do think about this a lot. We are talking about athletics and stuff. I mean, growing up, I was in a rural area and we didn't have like a recreation center at all. You know, we had no stoplights. It was all cornfields, you know, just farmland to, from, from the, till the, wherever you're at to the horizon or whatever. But, uh, but it was just me not knowing that, Ooh, I should go out there and actually be practicing or working on my game right now, or, you know, doing push-ups or just, you know, they're looking up. I don't remember when YouTube came around, it was probably what, 2004 six yeah, somewhere around there so yeah i mean but like you know you start look, i should have been like going and looking up stuff how to improve myself and that's one kind of one of my regrets that at that time i just thought you know oh, i'll just watch this movie i'll play video games you know i was not working on me and i think you know like i guess my whole point of this is that maybe children are missing an aspect it's just that they like you said earlier if if it's not keeping their attention for 45 seconds or more they don't care about it anymore and they don't want to do anything about it you know i hope, yeah. that, hope that kind of made sense that little ramp no, it does. And I uh, obviously, you know, I'm, I'm a little older, but you know, when in the summertime, it was great. Like you got up when, and you, okay, Hey, we're meeting in same very rural area where I grew up. So yeah. we, we meet at the church and at the church was, you know, we had a basketball hoop there and okay. Or what are we doing today? Yeah. Uh, you know, we're going to play baseball. We're going to go do this and whoever's house you were around at lunchtime, you went in, everybody ate and you know, you play basically till it got dark and that's when you had to be home nice. and you don't, you don't see that anymore. <laughs> you know, no. you know, kids rather be inside and on their phones or, or whatever it happens to be. And so sometimes when I get the board thing, I'll say, I can find something for you to do. <laughs> and it often, they tend to find, you know, they're not bored anymore <laughs> when, when, when that comes around, but, um, you, well, know, that's, it's, you know, part of that book too, that, that, you know, parents do not, and I'm generally speaking, I'm not saying, you know, like, oh, this is everybody, but I'm just mm -hmm. generally speaking that they don't want to allow their kids out, uh, to, you know, till dark to go play, you know, I mean, or whatever. I mean, it was, you know, it was kind of one of those things, like if I left and went and ride my bike or whatever, I'd just come back when I got back, you know, but, um, but yeah, was, there's nowhere I was really going. I mean, except <laughs> yeah. and back, that's all I'd go. But like, you know, now that it's, you know, they don't, they're afraid, like I was saying earlier, People were some people were afraid to let their children out of the house that late just because what what might happen. And I get it that they're being overprotective because you know, I, you know, like I said, I'm not a father by any means. But if, you know, my kid got kidnapped or something. Like, you know, I, I wouldn't know what to think. You know, so I mean, I I get it, but I don't get it. I guess is what I'm trying to say. It, I, it's hard for me to sit on a fence and look. I'm trying to look at everything both ways. It's yeah. tough, you know, D different society, different different time of, of growing up and which had, uh, you know, ability to, I remember one year, uh, I, I forget we were, I was, I think I was covering a class for some, for some reason. And we were discussing about how you, you stay in communication with each other. I don't know what, what the lesson was, but they said, I said, well, look, I said, I didn't have my first cell phone until like 2000. I don't know, somewhere in there, not 98, 2000. Uh, I said, but so I was out of high school then I was, I was in college. And they just look, they go, well, how'd you meet up with people and stuff? I said, well, you did this thing you, you called plan. <laughs> you know, you'd say, hey, we're going to meet at four o'clock at this place. We're going to meet at six o'clock at this place. I said, and that's what you did. And like, oh my, they just like were, were dumbfounded. Yeah. that That's how you do things. And you really want to throw them for a loop. We were, <laughs> I used to teach the the book, The Outsiders, when I was in the classroom. Yeah, I remember that. And uh, they, um, Dally goes to use a payphone. And the kids just turn around and go, what was a payphone? What was that? You you put money into a phone? I said, oh, my. You know, it's just like, here, let me let me tell you how things used to work a little uh -huh. bit. And just, you know, different different world for, for sure. Yeah, I mean, we're at that, you know, years that 
students now coming up is that, you know, I, you know, I work in a university right now that, you know, I now have access to some of the information that, you know, born in 2000, you know, so, oh. so they've had a screen in front of them, you know, coming out the womb basically, you know, and, you know, not, you know, just to talk about parenting. That's what some parents do is just put a screen in front of them and that right. I'm parenting right now, which I'm not <laughs> knocking that by any means. I, I, like I said, I'm a single and I don't know right from wrong for whatever, but I'm just saying that's just what mostly I'm seeing now is that, you know, some people don't seem to know how to function unless they have a yeah. screen in front of them, it's, which I'm pretty thick to my phone. So I ain't going to lie. So, <laughs> no, I am. I am too. Uh, yeah. uh, the iPad as a father, well, I have three children, a father of a four-year-old daughter. The iPad is a godsend, especially in the car. <laughs> I've heard it, man. I've heard it. Yeah. Just let them be quiet for a few hours. You know? Yeah. Give me a break. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so how was so you grew up in Pittsburgh, right? Yeah. So I grew up outside, about an hour outside of Pittsburgh. Uh, the name of the town is Johnstown. Okay. Uh, I always I always say somewhere I'm in Delaware, so I'm always an hour this side of Pittsburgh. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I grew up there. Um, you know, where where my your birthright is the black and gold. Uh, as, as, as you can see behind me uh -huh. there, a uh, huge Steelers fan, a huge Pittsburgh fan, uh, went to the University uh -huh. of Pittsburgh. Uh, yeah. But, you know, really, if you, you know, Steelers fan more than anything uh, on that end. Did you go to a lot of the games growing up? Or do you mean, was it easy just to? Uh, not, not growing up. Went to a lot of baseball games growing up. Okay. Uh, but, you know, started going to Steeler games. Uh, I, it wasn't until I moved to Delaware and would have to travel back home and, have been to probably a dozen games between going back to Heinz and I've gone to a couple at, um, uh, what is it? The M&T bank for, uh, the Ravens, you know, okay. to see the Steelers at the Ravens. But, um, the thing I always say, so I moved here in Oh one and that was the year that PNC and Heinz field opened. Gotcha. And I'm like all the, and I love three rivers. I don't want to talk sacrilege about a, a very holy place, but, the dump that that place was <laughs> compared to what Heinz and PNC were I'm like, Oh my goodness. And I move away, but anytime I get a chance to go back and uh, you know, get to a game, I try to get to a game in Heinz at least once a year, you know, sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. We always try to get back to see a game at PNC once a year. Uh, my grandfather loved baseball. He passed away in early 2020. And so I always try to get back and take him to a game when I still could because uh, he nothing, he liked nothing more than to sit at that field in, in well whether it was well for him Forbes Field Three Rivers or PNC and just watch the Buckos play so that was uh that was always great a lot of great memories I have with him there and always tried to and so uh last year was the first time I was there since he he passed away and took my then three-year-old daughter and the boys with us and everything and I'm thinking okay if we can just get through like the sixth inning I'll, I'll be happy you know I don't know how we're going to hold her, her attention I have my phone you know we'll we'll probably we'll see how we do and earlier in that day, we'd gone to Heinz Field for a practice. Yeah. So that was her first time in Heinz. And this is this is how much of a fan I am. My daughter's middle name is Still. Uh, so th those are the naming rights I got um, in in uh, that whole whole gig. But so we went there, and I thought, okay, this is perfect. Go to a practice. It's not a game. The crazy atmosphere. Got you know, got to take her and see Heinz Steelers. You know, big picture. So we're, then Pirates were in town. So we went to the Pirates game. They played the Phillies and the game ended in the bottom of the ninth inning on a Pirates scored on a walk-off victory, not a homer, but a walk-off victory. Sure. And she made it the whole game. Nice. And I'm like, this is this is just too good to be true. It's like man, it's memories like that, man. Hopefully that yeah. was the last center, man. Yeah. <laughs> it um it was it was just, you know. Did she understand what was going on at that time? Or? Uh, she was cheering, let's go Bucks. I okay. mean, I, you know, so that was it. I mean, she was more interested in the dip and dots at, at times. <laughs> and uh, I have a great picture. The parrot, the pirate parrot was around. And uh, so we walked down to where we could get to him and he picks her up and holds her. And I got a picture of that. That's and great. so it's hanging. I have eight by 10 of that hanging here in my, my Pittsburgh room. And it was just, uh, it was just such a great, even, even they won was the icing on the cake, but it was just so great to be there. And, um, kind of almost full, you know, almost a full circle type thing. You know what I mean? That, sure. um, my grandfather was the one who took me to there and now I'm to, I'm extended to another generation. What's your, uh, what's your thoughts on the lockout right now? You think we won't have any baseball this year? <sighs> you know, it seems like they're getting a little closer. Yeah, but I don't know. It, it you can get a little closer, but can you get get there? Uh, <laughs> I I think we're going to have a season. I think it's going to be shortened because I think they're going to they're 
going to lock. It's going to extend because then eventually when people, when everybody starts losing money, because yeah, as you know, the answer to most questions is money. Uh, when everybody, when they can't stand to lose too much, then that's when stuff, that's when sacrifices get made on either side. And so I think it'll be an abbreviated season. That's my thought. So you, you mean maybe like, maybe cut out spring training altogether, then straight into the season or little spring training. And then we see a shortened season or what? Yeah. I, so I think you have to have probably some form of spring training. I know all these guys do stuff all year round. Now it's a lot like back in the day where you needed spring training to get into shape, Yeah. but you know, maybe it's an abbreviated, you know, three weeks spring training and we go right into games. Um, But I think it gets tough with the weather on in places past October to, to, Games. I mean, when you're sitting there and freezing temperatures playing a baseball game at the end of October into November, it's 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 rough. And so I think that kind of dampens them a little bit. I guess if they got into a jam, they could do what they did the COVID year and have the World Series in a you know in a bubble mm-hmm. or something if they had to. But I think that they're they're a little bit more of a victim of the weather that they have to worry about. You know, you're talking about how these guys stay in shape all year. My brother and I just over there were talking about, you know, what's his name? Shane Shay O'Tooney. Shane Otani. Oh, uh, Shohei Otani. Shohei Otani. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, where he's, you know, a list for those who don't know, you know, basically a a list pitcher and hitter at the same mm-hmm. time, which is rare for the leagues. But I mean, do you think being that type of player in this day and age, you'll see him playing for years, or do you think having to do, you know, the best of both worlds right there, you will see a shortened length of, you know, history of him. I don't know. I I think he's preserved a little bit by DHing. Ooh, okay. A lot. So he's not playing in the field except for every five days. He does play the field sometimes. Uh, I think probably at some point, similar to what Babe Ruth had to do down the road, I think at some point he's going to have to pick one or the other. Uh, but I think it's great that, you know, he is the modern day Babe Ruth. So, you know, a hundred years since we've seen somebody do something like this, it, it's, it's pretty cool. Um, and he did it obviously at a very high level last year. And um, I like to see it continue, but I do think, my thought is at some point, you know, he's already had the Tommy John surgery on the arm. If he would injure that again, does he just become a hitter? Okay. I didn't, I didn't realize he already yeah. had that done. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I would think so then, man, if you get that again, yeah, just keep me as a hitter. You know, I have this uh, thing on my bucket list trying to visit all the major league baseball stadiums I can do before I, you know, kick the bucket, but <laughs> I've only gotten five of them. I mean, how many you got under your belt? Do you, do you try to get to a lot of games everywhere you go or when you travel or when you could travel or? Yeah. When we, when I, when I can get somewhere, I try to, Oh boy, I'm trying to think. So obviously I've been to Philly and Baltimore and Pittsburgh cause they're all right here and you know, where I live and everything in that area. Uh, so two different parks in, in both Philly and both in, in Pittsburgh. Um, boy, I'm trying to think where else, where else I've been, I've been to DC cause it, you know, it's close over there. Um, it's right there. But any anytime we get the opportunity, like I'm actually heading out to a recruiting trip to Central State University in Ohio. It's outside Dayton. And it just happens to coincide. And this is the honest truth. They're having a career fair. <laughs> the the first four are out there uh when we're out there. So I'm gonna get to, you know, an NCAA tournament game. Uh at least two, they play what two, they play two the first, the Tuesday and two the Wednesday. So we'll probably get to the game probably on Wednesday night or something like that. So, you know, whenever, uh, you know, same thing when we, when we, when I'm traveling, if I can get somewhere, they usually have a big career fair I go to back in Pittsburgh. And for years, it always just worked out that the Penguins were in town the day before or the night of, and I could get a Penguins game in. So, you know, I, um, you know, I like to like to get to places I've been to, um, been to Yankee stadium for a, for a football game. I was there when Pitt played in a bowl game. So I haven't seen oh, yeah, a the, baseball game. So I don't know, I don't know if that counts or not. Yeah, I think I was <laughs> inside it. So yeah, yeah. Man, it might be a different, you know, vibe and but you know, whatever. Yeah. And then my um my oldest is so uh, my my boys are my stepsons. They're my boys, but they're my stepsons. Um I wasn't able to change him when when uh my wife and I met that he's a Giants fan. So they play the Steelers every once every four years, you know, in Heinz and then in in um the Meadowlands or whatever they call that place now. Yeah. So we try to go every time they play. We've been to two, and this the last time they played was Monday night of the COVID year, so we couldn't go. Uh, but so whenever they play the next time, we they'll be at Heinz. We we try to get there, and that's kind of like our family thing every four years. 
You know, you, you said something and I had a question earlier, so I don't, I, I didn't want to circle back, but we, I guess I want to ask it. So we can circle back to your teaching and recruiting. Sure. And stuff. So, uh, you know, you're being a director of human resources. Is it tough recruiting, recruiting for teachers right now? Or yeah, it's, positions? it's, it's never been worse. So I, I figured in a previous, when I was an assistant superintendent of a previous school district, the bulk of my responsibility was the HR. Yeah. It just, that was the title of it. Um, so probably 10 years ago, we started having conversations like we're not seeing as many candidates at these career fairs. And when you're at a career fair and you're talking to these universities, like, yeah, we're down in some numbers. And we were talking to like the Department of Education here in Delaware, like, oh, no, look at these numbers. And Delaware is a net importer of teachers. We do not produce enough teachers in the state to house our schools. So we have hit Pennsylvania and Maryland and Virginia hard for years. And I'm, I'm a perfect example of that I came from Pennsylvania because where I was, you just it was very difficult to get a job at that time. So fast forward 20 plus years later, and it, it is truly the, um, the buyer's mar market on this now because um, if you got a teacher right now, <laughs> it, it, they can go where they want when, when they graduate. So it's not like, hey, you know, I... Oh, I never even heard of where Delaware is, yeah. but before like, Oh, well, we have teaching jobs. Well, they don't have very many where I'm from right now. Now it's like, well, I want to stay home. Well, you can stay home because they, they need folks. Um, so it's, it's been, it's been getting that way for a while. Uh, COVID exasperated it sure. because a lot of people saw what teachers were going through and don't want to even less want to go to the profession now. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not a very well paid uh, profession. Uh, there's benefits with it and not, and that's what I often try to tell folks when, when they're like some of our students, we have a teacher's Academy in our high school. So those are students that are looking to be educators and, and go to school to be an educator. And, you know, someone talk about the money. And I said, you know, it, you can go places, make money, just, you're going to pay more <laughs> to live. Yeah. I said, which is fine. I said, but you got to remember, I said, there is a lot of benefits. I said, first off, you have your summers off where you can go, especially when you're younger, go work and make some money doing something if you want to. Most places have summer school, so you're already getting your regular salary. Now you can top you know, summer school onto that for four weeks. I said, here's the thing that some people don't realize with this, and some people who don't start off in education and come to education realize you're off every weekend. You're off every holiday. True. You get you get a you get a week plus off at Christmas. You get a week off in the spring break, and mm -hmm. so that stuff. I said, there's some fringe benefits on that side that start to add up, especially if you have kids and a family and you're in the same school district. It it makes life a little bit easier, on you know on in that regard. So, um, but it has never been more difficult. Um, I have, I'm the president of our HR directors association. Delaware is a small state. We only have 19 school districts in the state. Wow. So there's only 19 HR directors. We meet once a month and we used to, at the end of the meetings, uh, go around and see what vacancies we had. So you start with one person and they go, I've got two special ed, three math, a science and something else. Next person comes up. I've got four special ed, two math and a biology. And the next person, I said, stop, we're stopping. <laughs> I said, this is depressing. We all need special ed math and science teachers. And yeah. that's always been that way. And if you ever told me I'd have had a hard time finding social studies teachers because most guys who want to go coach are social studies teachers for whatever reason. If you ever told me we'd have a hard time finding a PE teacher, I, I have a PE opening at my high school. I couldn't get a, a teacher for now. It happened mid-year. Yeah. But we have a we have a sub in there now and he's doing a great job. But it's I mean, you used to be able to just find P teachers everywhere and say right. with like el elementary, like I never thought I'd struggle for, struggle for elementary teacher because, you know, most most uh, females who want to be a teacher want to be elementary teachers and never thought it'd be hard. And we've struggled to do that. And I, I don't know, you know, they keep saying, well, grow your own. I said, well, OK, I get that with our teacher, Kenny, but that's a four year, five year, six year answer. I I need answers now. Yeah. And so we've ex expanded our recruiting to some different places. Uh, you try to go somewhere like in my case, we have a difficult time if we go to like Virginia, North Carolina and areas like that, because folks don't want to come north. <laughs> and because it's colder. 
because it's colder. Yeah. Uh, and then so like we've hit areas like we we've hit in Western Pennsylvania real well. And what happened, you know, there for the longest time it was hard to get jobs because the population was shrinking and it was a depressed area. I mean, the steel industry left and it took Pittsburgh 30 years to recover from it, but sure. they did. Uh, but then we've we've gone up to like Western New York and to the Buffalo area where they've had some difficulty, uh, have reached out to the have gone up to Akron, you know, different places that have, have struggles where you have folks that will leave. I was supposed to before COVID that year, I was supposed to head out to uh, East Lansing to go to Michigan State to um, a, a career fair there because we talked you talked to other recruiters as you're at stuff. And they said, yeah, you know, Detroit's a pretty depressed area. You can head out there, might get some folks. And I had a sign ready that said snowfall in michigan in 2019 and and had the number snowfall in delaware two inches <laughs> and that was good but hey if you don't like the snow let me tell you something about you know do you uh, do you, do you want to go to a beach and so you, you you try to find it but we have to as a i want to get on a political soapbox here i we have to as as a country we, we have to find a way to to make teaching more appealing and i don't you know, we've talked about different stuff. They do have a lot of programs where you get some loan forgiveness if you teach in a high poverty area, Title I school. And so that sometimes helps as well. And one of the things that we're, we're working with the Department of Education on is uh, a scholarship, and Maryland has this, where, okay, you'll go to school, you're a Delaware, high school Delaware graduate, you go to school to be an educator, and you say you'll stay in Delaware for five years, we'll forgive your loans. You know, you're, you're done. You're, you come out clean. Uh, and if you only stay for three, well, we give, we forgive 60%, whatever, 20% a year with the thought of if you stay somewhere five years and you're from here, you're probably going to stay, might not stay in that district, but you're going to stay as opposed to going somewhere else. Makes sense. So it, it's something where we you know, we're working on a little bit and seeing where we are and, and trying, but it's becoming increasingly more difficult every year. I mean, well, for the future of uh, for the education system, I mean, do you see that? You know, I don't want to call it a trend, but do you see that, you know, coming back as saying like, you know, teaching becoming more of an appealing job, maybe ten years down the road, or, or I, I think things right. go things go in cycles. Yeah. So I think once the the terrible stories of how people were melting down during COVID, you know, kind of go away and. And one of the things that I feel in education we are terrible about, and I talk to my teachers about this all the time, is we're our own worst enemy. Because as a teacher, I'm complaining about this, or I'm complaining about that, and the students hear that, or the students sure. see doing that, and like, why would I? Why would I want to go do something that you're this miserable? And you know, and I sometimes I just I have to have those conversations with folks. Like, you got to realize that you're you have to be that example, and you, and and people have to to want to come into this profession because this is where we're making the impression on folks, sure. you know, 10th, 11th, 12th grade. And I don't know. I mean, that's, I was always very cognizant of that. And, and, and here's the way I've always looked at it. So I'm 22 years in. I've, I've had a job in education for 21 going on 22 years. Now I've had to go to work a day in my life. I, I love what I do. That's great. Uh, I, no matter what job I've had, there's never a time I I'm not excited to go to work because it, on my worst day, I'm working with kids. Now, being in the district office, sometimes I'm not around kids as much as I'd like to be, but I know it's like a, what I want to say, it's for the greater good doing what I'm doing now. I affect the whole district rather than just the whole school. And so I, I kind of take that approach. But uh, now I will say the last two years have tried that philosophy <laughs> of loving what I do. Uh, th these last years have just been a challenge unlike any other uh, but we've we fought through whether it was virtual learning in, you know, different spikes and doing whatever we've had to do to get the students educated. And uh, so, you know, it's it, it's on that end. But I I truly be that way. And I, I said when I I always tell folks that when I start not liking to go to work and then I know when and when I'm not making decisions with what is best for students and every decision I make is was the best interest of students, not when the best interest for for you know the school is whatever the best interest for me is it's what the best interest of the students is and when i start making decisions thinking that then it's time to get out and you're talking about virtual learning and i don't know if there's enough data right now to actually even ask this question but i'll get just get your thoughts on it. i mean are we not, not we i mean i'm not seeing it but are the education system seeing a decline in students cognitive 
abilities or their thinking levels or just because of this virtual learning? I mean, you know, I just and I'm just saying this because I've read and, you know, a couple of articles where and seen YouTube videos where you see, you know, the learning taking place over Zoom like we are now. But students are just over here looking at their iPad the whole time or whatever. And they're just not getting anything out of it. Is that, yeah. you know, we're seeing you, you, you're talking about, you know, you having gone to work a day in your life and that we're just seeing students like, Oh, well, I don't care. I don't care what my, my passion right now is watching this Netflix video. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, I, I don't know if there's enough data over just the short amount of time. Obviously the students, the majority of students learn best by being in a classroom with a teacher. Sure. Some students have, have thrived in this virtual world. Don't get me wrong, but the vast majority of the students we serve really need to be in a classroom and, and get that, that education, the traditional yeah. style. Uh, I do think that uh, obviously there, there's a little bit of a, of a gap for, for the students that, that missed some time. You know, we basically missed a, the last quarter of a year when we shut down in 20 and, you know, some students like in our district, you could, you could choose to be virtual last school year, the 2021 school year. So some students didn't step foot in school until this fall. Right. And, so we're, you know, we're, we're trying to close the, the gaps. We, we just are, are working through. So some of the stuff you, you may have learned in an earlier grade has been brought into another grade to kind of help get through uh, on, on that end. But we're, we're getting there. We, we did some, a lot of summer acceleration to try to help, uh, to, to help some learning loss. And we're going to continue to push through. But uh, it never seems like there's, uh, <laughs> there's always another challenge around. Like we were sitting around the other day like, okay, what is different in a year from now? And it's like, well, let's hope that we don't have the mask mandate. Let's hope there's not another variant, but this has just become so, so difficult. I never would have thought this school year would have been more difficult than last. And in some aspects it has because, um, well now in, in Delaware, at least you have to wear your mask basically when you're out in public. Okay. But all of last school year you had, it, that's the way it was. And then as we got to like Memorial day in the summer, okay, you don't have to wear masks anymore. And we were right like at the end of the school year. So, you know, we kind of wrote it out. Then we come back in the fall they, they did say that schools had to wear masks if you were in a K-12 school, but that was the only place anybody had to wear, you know, had kids had to wear them. They weren't wearing them at the mall. They weren't wearing them and they went out to eat. They weren't wearing them any, anywhere else. So that was challenging. But then when they, put this mandate back in since the the omicron spike that um it, it's kind of helped a little bit but we were just like what you know are we sitting here next year dealing with the same things we're dealing with we hope not right but it's just is is, is this going to be the the new normal you know I'm, I'm here in virginia and uh i hope i don't get this wrong and that's why i need a fact checker on, on this podcast but uh, <laughs> you know we just got a new governor and i think he took the man, the mask mandate out. Of, yes, he did. Believe okay. me, we've heard, we've heard okay. about it. We're, we're close enough. Yeah, I figured like, you were talking about it. I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure he took it out. And I think there's still, he's getting some backlash for it from, uh, I think some schools still want it implemented into their system. But um, yeah, you got some technical difficulties going on there? Yeah, the, my, my mic's falling like off my my table here and i don't understand why i don't i'm trying to like hold the, the thing up but we'll uh, we'll get there we'll survive <laughs> oh yeah if you need to take a minute i can <laughs> uh yeah, I, we're right. I, was just, I thought i could tighten it but it's still doing something it's it, it's gonna involve some mechanical okay. work so we'll be all right but anyway i, I don't know I, I was just uh i don't know if that's a good or bad thing i mean like we were saying i don't i haven't seen enough data and you know i've seen other news sources talking about the flu might be more deadly than omicron or however you pronounce yeah. it but uh Cause it seems like people forget about that still, but anyway, I'm like, I, we don't have to go down that road, and, <laughs> uh, you know, but anyway, that was just my thoughts on that part. So I was just wondering if that's, so your school still district still has it mandated to where yeah, in the, in the state of Delaware, all yeah, K-12 all right. schools. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, well, let's maybe try to turn this into a brighter side of things. I mean, <laughs> so, uh, you said, you, you know, on your podcast, you talk a lot about pop culture and movies and, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, I got this thing I've been trying out that um, I've been trying to ask questions from the internet to my guests. And it's just some kind of less, 
it's more or less randomized questions and it just kind of gets you thinking. And so if you, if you're game, we can try that out. And... Absolutely. We okay. sometimes, we sometimes play a game called this or that. that okay. Yeah, we have a lot, like we have a lot of fun, fun with. Yep. This is kind of like, would you rather kind of rather. So gotcha. it's nothing too wild and crazy. So uh, <laughs> since we've been, th- we talked a little bit about sports and we'll get, I might, I got a couple more questions about sports. And we'll talk about that here in a minute. But uh, first question I got for you, um, what professional athlete would you choose to be your college roommate? Oh, that's a, that's a good question. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking about this too, when I wrote it down. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I was, I was a huge fan of, of Jerome Bettis. Ooh, the bus. So I, I think that maybe, maybe the bus, um, I was also a huge fan growing up. I love Larry Bird. There's no basketball team in Pittsburgh. So I'm a Celtics fan. And I, and I love bird. Uh, dad was a huge Celtics fan. Was, yeah. I just, so, but I, I probably, uh, towards the boss, I just think he, you know, he had a, he had quite the upbringing and, you know, could have went a couple of different ways and, you know, being a football player there at Notre Dame and, and coming to us and just really, really like him. So I, I probably would, I'd probably go with the bus. Mm. You know, I, when I was thinking about it, that, uh, you know, I had a lot of fun in college growing up and, you know, I'm sure you're not the first one to hear this, but that's a, where you'll have a lot of your best memories in life is in college. And so, uh, you know, in my mind, I kept going like, all right, well, Chad o- Ojo Cinco, he'd be fun. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Owens, he's fun. I mean, now we got Joe Burrows. I mean, he's kind of a cool dude coming out yeah. the gate. So, uh, I don't know. I was just trying to think of like the, mo- the one person I'd have the most fun with, you know, like yeah. who knows Dennis Robin might be fun. No, I was going to think if you were talking about some story time, Robin's probably the one to go. Yeah. Did you watch that last dance documentary? Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was really good. Oh, it was great. I thought it was really great. So, uh, and you, you said you you watched most of 30 for 30 ones too. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a big fan of those documentaries. I think they're done so well. They are, dude. They uh, are. Yeah, they're so, you know, just tremendous. I mean, I, we're, well, we're both ACC fans, I guess, uh, <laughs> with, with, with who, who we support and, um, the like the one on the U is just phenomenal. And that's stuff I remember growing up with, with that whole thing. And uh, you're just so, there isn't a bad one. The, the fab five one is phenomenal. One. Uh, just all of them are just great. Like you said, they all get done really well. So mm-hmm. I don't know who's making them. I forgot his name, but, or I guess they're all different people, but yeah, yeah. they're doing so. All right, here we go. Another question going on too. Um, all right. We'll change that from the sports one here. What TV, some you know, movies and TV show, uh-huh. what TV show could you take, a college course on and get an A. Seinfeld. Hmm. I, I I had a tough time answering that one. Yeah, it'd be Seinfeld. I probably also uh, probably the Sopranos as well. Those were, were two of my my favorites. Uh, uh, maybe well, I probably said maybe the West Wing as well. Those three were Absolutely. probably my three my three favorite shows of all time. So I'm. I'm fairly confident. I'm many times I've seen the Seinfeld reruns. I'm, I think I'd be pretty good. You know, when I was thinking about it, you know, I have a tough time. I, I don't know if I'm just, there's so much to watch right now. And just that I feel like I'm just overwhelmed because, you know, every other day somebody's like, you need to check this show out. You need to get on this one. And just like, I have trouble just keeping up and plus just memorizing what's going on during the shows. And just like, Hey, what happened? You know, and I try not to binge watch much anymore. Cause I felt like that was the issue is that I would binge watch. It was like, you know, studying for a test, you know, you study all for one night, take the test, then you just forget everything else. So, but anyway, I don't know, but I, I wanted to say, I thought about game of Thrones. Now there's too much going on. I don't think I can remember that, but you know, I feel like it would be some random show that, you know, maybe like a big bang theory or something like mm-hmm. that. I, I, it's always like cool to play in the background while yeah. you do stuff. Yeah. It, like you said, there's so many of them going on all the time that I probably could do. Okay. I don't know about an eight, but <laughs> I, could, I probably could get by. <laughs> All right. Um, here's a good one. If you were in a bar fight, uh, what celebrity would you pick to have your back? Uh, well, <laughs> it probably had to be Chuck Norris. Ooh. I mean, because because you know Chuck Norris would just look at them and and would have them him. Uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe Liam Nielsen. He's I just that one. He's I'm just a- thinking about who has the the skills the skill set. Uh, Chuck Norris wins yeah. everything, man. <laughs> and everything I've ever seen to me is always the guy. Yeah. Um, hmm. Those, those would probably be two that just come to my mind with, you know, thinking of what, of what they, of what they do on the screen and, you know, yeah. the whole, the whole Chuck Norris, you know, all the different things about, 
you know, he, you know, he scares, there's somebody scared of him, not that the other way around and all that. I was thinking like the first one came like the rock. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. He'd be a good one to have. And yeah. then I've been watching a uh, peacemaker on HBO max with John Cena. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it's, it's really good. It's, Another good one. Yeah. It's like, you know, they know how to fight. They know. They, <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, they know how to choreograph fight, I guess. And yeah. sorry for all those who, uh, you know, I love pro wrestling or whatever, but yeah. Um, yeah. They, they know they got some kind of skills. So anyway, I thought that'd be some good <laughs> for me. Um, all right. We got one or two more here. Uh, let's see how to answer that. Uh, all right. So go back to our sports one right here. Mm-hmm. So if you could play for one fictional sports team, who would it be? One fictional sports team. Yep. It would have been, it would be the Hickory Huskers. <laughs> and I, I, so I, I don't know if that, I mean, I know it's based on the Milan Indians or, or whatever, <laughs> that won the state title, but you know, to be a teammate of Jimmy Chitwood in them, I, I think it'd be great. Uh, would, maybe also pay, playing for the West Canaan Coyotes down there with. Oh, Blues. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Good maybe, one. maybe those two would probably be where I'd, where I'd probably yield on the side of. Uh, Good one. I think that obviously that'd be a lot of fun down there in Texas playing football. Good one. I didn't even, I forgot all about varsity blues, man. You know, like I asked this, uh, on my show last weekend, um, she said the, uh, Pete, who's who's the peaches and uh um the movie with Tom Hanks now? Oh, League of Their Own. League of Their Own. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You said that one, and then I said Space Jam, but then I started thinking I thought it might change it up with any given Sunday, Miami Sharks. Oh yeah, you have uh oh, but now I kind of want to go to Varsity Blues now. <laughs> <laughs> they had a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, they did. But yeah, I mean, do you have a favorite sports movie of all time or? It, it, it'd be Hoosiers. Hoosiers I, sure. I could, I could watch that. And I was a, a huge Bobby Knight fan, uh, growing up as well. And, uh, just, and I, and I loved Indiana, of course, didn't end well for him there, but that was just, and so that movie just still, I mean, I could, if, if I ever flipped through the channels, it's on, you might as well forget about it because I'm, I'm done till it's over. Well, why, why Bobby Knight? What got you? Uh, uh, I had my, my teacher in sixth grade was uh, was the girls basketball coach at our high school, and he was a huge night fan. He was the first male teacher I had. My my parents were separated at the time, and he really became like a second father to me for a while. And um, I just kind of learned from there. And then they had won the national championship when they Keith Smart hit that shot. And watching them through the tournament that year is one of the first tournaments I really remember. Okay. And so I guess it started off as a bandwagon. Uh, you know, in that end, but like, you know, Steve Alford played for that team. I just really liked that whole team and then just stuck with them the, the entire time. It was all, you know, it was a pit fan because that's where I'm from, but always, you know, really like what, what Knight um, did and obviously went too far with some of the stuff that came out and everything, but that, you know, I, I think that's the way I was coached to a point in some of the sports, like, you know, you just had some hard ass coaches that just, just, you know, ground hard work into you and, yeah. And that's what I, I think I respect most about them. And uh, as I, you know, as I got older and watched how different programs got in trouble and everything like that, there was one man who never got in trouble for the way he ran a program as far as academics, you know, got in trouble for how he did some other things, but there was ever, never a thought of there being any improprieties with grades or, or anything like that with him. I mean, you know, we're starting to see getting this uh, whole new era of these old coaches like coach K is getting ready to retire. Mm-hmm. Roy Williams just retired. I mean, what do you think about the future of college basketball? I mean, do you see it still living up to its hype? We got, you know, these legends starting to leave and that we're going to have new blood coming in. Uh, I don't think college basketball is what it once was with, you know, the one and done has changed that. Like you don't really get to know these guys in, in, in the year they're there. There's, there's no more Christian Leitners or, or, or guys like that, that, you know, you watch for four years yeah, of Grand Hill that, that you watch play. And I think, I think the NCAA is holding on by a thread right now in regards to them as an organization. I mean, they're starting to make some of these concessions with the name image likeness, you know, this transfer portals done what it's had at some point. I think, I think the university and the universities and the athletes have finally realized they have the power. And if they want to say, Hey, we're going to start doing this, if the NCA doesn't, then that's where we're going to be. So it's a little bit of the dog wagging the tail or the tail wagging the dog here a little bit now. Um, but I think if if college football decides they want to go to something different and the NCA says no, 
they're just gonna up and say, "Hey, this is the new organization." Yeah, we'll do what we want to do anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Huh. That's a good point. I like that. Yeah, but I mean, that's exactly what it's starting to go to. I mean, you let a little bit, you know, slide like letting players make off their names off their money yeah. off their likeness. Now, then, this where does it go from there? I mean. Yeah. So, I mean, some of these athletes are getting paid ridiculous amounts too. I mean, and some of them are not even that big of a names. So no, You're making some but, money. <laughs> yeah. When it first came out, I was, but I mean, and I get it, you know, if I was a, you know, when I was a college student, so playing a sport and, you know, just trying to get a couple bucks there and here and there, I mean, yeah, I would have definitely would have tried it. If I can make a couple bucks off my name, why not? I mean, yeah, are you a believer definitely. in that students should or players, student athletes should have made money at all, at all times or been paid to play? I don't know. The way I always looked at it is they're getting paid a, a scholarship. They don't have any loans when they come out. Right. I mean, so you are getting an education, but if the universities are profiting off of you like they they are, I always thought that there should be a certain amount of that money went into like a trust fund or something like that, that they could get after they were done. That's a good point. I um, because then I think, you know, it, it's a whole different thing now. Here we are. Hey, you come to Texas, you're going to get a name image likeness deal for six figures you know, from this booster. So yeah. that now becomes part of the recruiting process. So it's almost like you are paying the players to come there. And you look at, talk about the 30 for 30, look at the SMU one and everything that they went through while having to meet the payroll. Now you're okay to meet the payroll. Yeah, that's a great point. I, I didn't think about it like that, but yeah, that's great. And I, and I forgot about university of Texas actually paying their players. This, I forgot. Like it's a couple grand. Yeah. Type yeah. It now just come like, Oh, just the O-lines and it's coming out of a, some booster charity or something. Yep. Yeah. It's a great recruiting tool. So, anyway. all right. So last question I got, um, sure. this is neither nor sports or anything, but just <laughs> kind of a more of a thinking one. Um, would you rather all of humanity be able to breathe underwater, fly, or be able to communicate with aliens? I guess fly because then travel would be a lot easier for everybody. Uh, kind of take some stuff out of the equation. Uh, I'm not a big alien guy. So that one comes out of the equation. The underwater thing is, is interesting because it would certainly give us more places to, to live. So yeah. I think I'd probably go with fly just, I think, because it would make traveling easier, make life a little bit easier. Yeah. I mean, I agree. It would make life easier, but you know, I've, I've read a statistic and it was like so much of the ocean we've never explored yet. Mm -hmm. Um, when I say we, not me, but you know, I guess, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So I was like, Ooh, what if there's some secrets down there when you get down there where the sun can't touch anymore and stuff, you know, but when, and I think we're still finding out new species that live in there or whatever. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. But then the whole alien thing, you know, it's, it got blown up, especially with the last like stimulus bill thing that came out and they were the pentagon was supposed to report i don't know if you remember this but we're supposed to report everything they had on aliens for yeah the last yeah. few years and i don't think any i don't i don't remember i didn't even look it up but i don't think nobody cared i think nobody gave <laughs> no, no i don't like, think they uh, did either <laughs> it was like i'll just tell us more about covid we gotta figure out our lives <laughs> but anyway let's take this home on that one how about that you know sounds good chris really appreciate you having me on man yeah, before you get off here why don't you tell everyone how to find your podcast how to find you anything you want to get out there Sure. So uh, it's Talking in the Driveway. We have a website called TalkingTheDriveway.com. Uh, you can get the podcast wherever you get podcasts, Apple, Spotify. Uh, you can get it right from our from our website. You also can email us at TalkingTheDriveway at gmail.com. Uh, like I said, it's it's about an hour, hour and a half listen. We have a lot of fun. Uh, we we really have, have a great time, enjoy what we're doing, and we think that comes across real well uh in in what it is so we so hope you give it a listen and you email us and let us know what you think and uh we're constantly evolving the show uh based on our emails we share some email at the end of each show and we really enjoy that um so that that's where you, where you can find us and hopefully you're willing to check us out there's lots of stuff on the website little bios about us uh you can buy some merchandise there uh and also um we actually have a, our football pick'em contest is almost done with all of us so we only have one game left with that being the Super Bowl, who, who do you got picked, Cincinnati or the Rams? Uh, we haven't we haven't picked yet, but I'm I'm leaning towards the Rams right now. I I think, you know, Aaron Donald's a Pitt Panther, so I might be a little biased. <laughs> and I'm you know Cincinnati's in my division, so I'm biased there for certain. But uh, I just think if Aaron Donald gets that Cincinnati line, is going to make. I mean, I watched what Tennessee did to Cincinnati, uh, and they don't have Aaron Donald. Yeah, so I, I think that could be a, a difference in the game. Well, one last question before we jump off here. I wanted sure, to ask sure. you everything. I forgot. Uh, I mean, what do you think about the whole Brady thing? I mean, do you think he's just waiting out the, to the 15th to get that extra boost of money, then retire? Or I don't know. I heard that they. Like, is he just like, nah. 
I was listening to something today said uh, they'll they'll take care of him. They'll give him the money irregardless of, oh, okay. of, of what he does. I don't know if that's true or not, but I don't know. There, there's a part of me. It's like, okay, is he looking around thinking, hey, Jimmy G's out at San Francisco. Trey Lance isn't ready yet. That's where I'm from. I signed a deal there. They're not too far away. Does he do that because he wants to play to 45? Is he just saying he's done with Tampa Bay or or, or what's going on there? I don't, I don't know. I, I think he's just watching his body language the last couple of games and some of the stuff, I think the AB thing took a little toll on him. Uh, yeah, that was weird. I, I think I think he is done. I think it's just a matter of he he likes to control every narrative. So I don't think he's happy some stuff leaked. So, oh, you said I'm retiring. How about I go dark for a little while <laughs> and I'll announce it when I'm ready to announce it? You think uh, – I'm, I'm borrowing this from Cal Hurd, and I think he called your, Joe Burrow the next Tom Brady. You think – what do you think on that? I don't know if there's a next Tom Brady. Uh, um, I think it's a little too early to say he's a next Tom Brady. Just but. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean the, the kid can play, and I'm not real happy to see him in the next 10 or 15 years of my division, I can tell you that. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I don't know if we'll ever see something like what Tom put together. Yeah, the GOAT, baby. Yeah. Send it on the GOAT, man. Yeah. All right. Uh, you said everything, all that good stuff. Uh, anything else you want to get off or say promote or before we hop off here? No, I, I think that's all. I appreciate you having me on, Chris. Enjoyed yes, it. Sir. Hopefully we can uh, get you to come do a crossover event and be on ours. That'd be great, man. Uh, just set it up. All right. All right. Uh, people, we are out of here. Thank you for listening. All that good stuff and all your support. Be good to yourself. We are gone. Take care. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.